0: You're listening to Office Politics brought to you by BYOB Revolt. As a career coach and writer, I get a lot of the same questions from my clients and my friends, which is, how did you go out on your own, become a full time freelancer, and how can I do it too? And while I will be the first person to preach that no two journeys are the same, I do think there are some tried and true steps in order to ensure success as you. Go out and become your own boss. And everything I learned, I learned from the best. It's Jennifer Fitta. But I'm not alone. There's over 100,000 other people who trust her, as well as 30 institutions. I'm talking professors, y'all. Like people with doctorates. So you know that I'm in good company and in good hands. If you want to learn some tactics and strategies or you just want to understand how the hell business works, but you don't feel like getting an MBA, which by the way, you don't need one of those to be successful, despite what some people in industries will tell you then great. Head on over to byobrevolt.com. There it's an educational platform. There's an online community. You can even pick up her book with the same name, Be Your Own Boss. There's a shop. That's where I get my no five-year plan shirt that a lot of you guys love on Instagram. Either way, there's something for everyone. So take a little peek. And if you see something you like, I have a special offer code for y'all. 25% off site-wide. Just use the code OFFICEPOLITICS, one word. Again, whether it's a t-shirt, a book, something else, Just make sure to save yourself 25%, you use the code OFFICEPOLITICS. And hey, do me a favor. When you buy your book or your shirt or you join the online community, please, please, please give me a shout out on social media. I would love to start a conversation with you, see what you're learning, see what's working for you, and keep that dialogue going. All right, guys. Back to the show. Welcome back to office politics, everyone. So for today's episode, I have a special guest. She is a friend. She is a former coworker. But more importantly, she is one of my biggest inspirations. Uh, fun little side story. She definitely was making her rounds in the Dallas circles before COVID. So I knew who she was via social media. I thought she was beautiful. I thought she was fun. And I just thought one day I would love to be her friend. It turns out if you manifest things... um, they can come true. So now we are incredible friends. Um, We actually met through a networking event, and we have been kindred spirits ever since. So who is this mystery woman I'm talking about? It is The Riveters, which is a female-focused co-working space. The Riveters' former Dallas events director, Jordan Pinkerton. But beyond that, she is so much more. She is warm. She understands community. She loves supporting and uplifting small communities and women. And I am so excited for her to tell her own story. And before we get into that, one day, Jordan and I were just having a really vulnerable heart-to-heart about life, (laughs) 2020, hello, and she said something to me that really struck me. It really hurt me when I got let go because I was deemed not essential. And I thought, yeah, but Jordan, you know, that's just like a term they're throwing out. And you know, everyone just has to save money and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no, that 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 hurt on a different level to have somebody say you are not essential. All of the money All of the work, all of the sweat, all of the tears, not essential when it comes down to it. Now, as an outsider, I can absolutely see where she was essential, needed, um, influential. She's absolutely the reason I have met many of the people that I know today, but I thought that was a really interesting conversation topic. The idea of being deemed non-essential and how that can affect your self-esteem and how you can find strength through that. And that's what we're going to get into. So today, Jordan and I tackle a bunch. In fact, I have to break this up into two parts, but for this first part, we talk about the future of experiential marketing and events, her own story, and how she reclaimed Her narrative. And with that, let's get into it. All right, everyone, we have Jordan Pinkerton here. I am so excited. Thank you for being on today, Jordan. Oh my gosh,
1: I'm excited. I'm so glad to be here.
0: Me too. Now, I think one thing I love about our friendship and our story is, um, well, A, I, I do think manifestation played a part into it because I just knew I wanted to be a part of the Riveter. And when I saw everything you were putting on, I'm like, this girl is doing everything that I think is amazing. (laughs) But I think the way that we were able to connect was really organic, and it's definitely, like, my preferred method of networking. Um, Oh, same here. Same here. Oh, yeah. Like, figure out your purpose and find like-minded people. That way it clicks. It doesn't feel weird. We can both do... um, favors for each other, but we're also friends in the process. But um, for those who likely don't know, um, what's your side of the story on how we met?
1: Well, what was really amazing is during the time that we met, I was like heads down, So many events, meeting so many different people. I mean, I was totally the girl that like wanted to remember every single person I met's name, but sometimes would like see people two nights in a row at events. And I'd be like, hey, (laughs) you were someone I could not forget if I tried. Like I was like, I know exactly who that is. That's Jasmine. I literally like went to creep on you on the internet. Like we basically like we did the immediate like same thing. Like I was just drawn to you immediately. I think that like another cool thing was even having Aries as a connection too. (sighs) Mm -hmm. So it was just really when we met, it was something that was so natural because when someone wants to be at an event and I think when they're there and they're open and ready for a true connection... It happens so naturally. And I think that sometimes, you know, depending on the day that you've had and remember this oh, is all mm-hmm. in a like pre-COVID world, most people, you know, went to work during the day and they're coming to this extra event and events extra. And sometimes that extra energy is hard to mm. exude and you show up and you were someone that immediately had so much energy and excitement that I was drawn to because sometimes I have to pull that out of people, you know, oh, you, you've got the crowd and they're like, yeah yeah, we're here, but you know, maybe we're not mentally here. So um, (laughs) it was so easy to connect with you and then know that I wanted in some way us to work together. And I think that, Mm -hmm. you know, the universe really knew that it might've been small steps at first, but we were meant to stay together and be friends. And I think it's so cool that, you know, part of my journey now having worked with you professionally. And um, I mean, even recently, how much you and your business have helped me.
0: Oh my gosh. It's so weird. Like we are truly on a very similar trajectory. And it, like you said, totally meant to stay connected. And the way we started to is funny that you brought up Aries, but one of the Riveter events I first went to was like secure the bag, don't leave money on the table. Yes. Um, Yes. And then, and I remember Jacqueline who is the founder of Zero Gap? We love said, you, Jacqueline. <laughs> yes, I hope you're listening. And then she she had said something to the effect of like just always ask, always ask. Um, you know, if there's like, if you want to be a part of something, you could offer to like volunteer or see if they're looking for part time work. So, what the the gag is is I had gone out for a role at the Riveter. Funny enough, Jordan is the one who who got the position, um, and then I tried to go out for another role there, and I was like, okay, I just know though I'm meant to help this company in some way, shape, or form, and, you and did. so yeah, and, you and, then, did. Like, <laughs> and after the com- or after an event, I just went up to you and I was like. Hi, can I volunteer? Oh my gosh, we were
1: obsessed with you. And I was like, you're not volunteering for anything. Uh, (laughs) We're going to pay you. Um, Now, you know, the timeliness of that is neither here nor there. But you know what? We're going to get you paid.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Oh, startup life is real. And girl, now that we're both freelancing (sighs) and consulting. Oh man, it's a hard
1: life in the startup world. You can try, try as you might.
0: Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. So people who get paid every two weeks, like, ooh, catch your lucky stars. <laughs> but I wanted the reason I wanted to have you on is because we always have these really beautiful conversations um, about career and vulnerability. And I think that you said something about it is so a little bit of backstory, and I know you'll give the full story. Uh, Jordan was an event director at the Riveter here in Dallas, their Dallas location. Obviously, once COVID-19 swept the entire globe, she was – I it's it sounds even weird to say it now, but you were out of a job. I mean, um, I was. There, we, yeah. There weren't an events, and, you know, the 10-second the story is – jordan was hitting her metrics well beyond she was rake, pulling in an extra 10k many months and she was crushing goals and then just to see all of that in one day oh yeah one i week mean, it disappear. was and that's the thing i think that you and i have had so
1: much uh conversation back and forth um over the past few months about this and I think it's always good to put out into the universe like it blindsided everybody Mm -hmm. um there there's not one person that could have been prepared I mean you can absolutely be winning at your job or whatever that means to you all of the cute hashtags and (laughs) things like you can be a girl boss and all you know like whatever but you are not immune two things out of your control happening, especially a furlough turned layoff. Um, and really what I think I was so passionate about sharing today is, you know, sometimes you, you don't feel like your experiences are valid or even sometimes I can feel like, well, why am I even on here? I feel so unaccomplished. But, you know, the things that I even feel like I experienced in the past few months have totally helped grow me and where I am now. Um, Because being told, like, it's not you, it's us, Mm -hmm. is something that's very difficult, because you want to try to find the things that you did wrong. But nobody did anything wrong for COVID to happen to them and have their job compromised. Um, You know, excelling at metrics was always something that, like, was my tried and true thing. Like at a bare minimum, I was always trying to meet those goals and all the extra frill could come later. And it's proof that even when you are excelling or exceeding expectations, you are not suddenly going to be the one kept just because you're lovable, likable, willing, Mm -hmm. enthusiastic, all of those Mm -hmm. like really great sellable words. (laughs) You're not like, you're not immune. Okay. And you know, you can have all the personality and you know shit rainbows, but you can still <laughs> you can still get uh, furloughed. So, um, and I, I really a big thing too is like I think Dallasites listening in today, we definitely experienced COVID at a different rate than other cities in the U.S. Um, and my company was headquartered in Seattle, Washington, so there were a lot of um, things that happened. Um, prior to things that happened in Dallas that I didn't know were going on. So when we actually got the call about being furloughed, they were essentially months ahead of us um, as far as having to damage control and change things within the business. So my uh, role change happened quickly. I mean, I was furloughed by the third week in March, um, where most other businesses in Dallas really didn't experience that till April. Um but yeah and what and what was
0: that like when cuz it's like gosh and i, I feel like it all happens so suddenly and then slowly and sometimes this year feels like the blink of an eye and sometimes it feels like 10 years but for you what was that like when you're seeing Maybe some of your Dallas friends um, still work full time, or maybe just get reduced to part time, and then you you've been furloughed. Did it feel unfair? What were some of the thoughts that went through your head? Oh, in of March? course.
1: I mean, a million thoughts. Um, but yeah. I think that uh, one big thing that when I when I have the opportunity to like either meet up with people virtually, or um, you know, the few coffee dates I've had recently. People check on you because they love you and they want to know how you're doing. Um, I had not experienced something like this before, as many of us hadn't, but I definitely feel like I went through the steps of like grief and mourning because I I loved so many parts of my job, but there was a bit of um, disappointment and resentment that maybe after all of the heart and all of the the time I gave over to a company that in you know, a blink of an eye that can be reduced to nothing if the company logistically can no longer stay afloat because of COVID. Um, so I think it was really, really hard to not blame yourself um, to not go through everything that you've done and, and critically think through like if I would have just sold more of this or yeah. produce more of that. But it was also something I have friends in plenty of different industries. I, um, I really enjoy that we can have a lot of great conversations around their jobs and then they hear my role and they're like, what, you get to, you know, you get to get paid for that. Like, that's so cool. I think it's that double-edged sword because I've always loved that compliment, you know, I get to do mm-hmm. something I love and get paid for it. But mm-hmm. also um, that's always felt kind of critical because like, it's not all glamorous and it's not all roses and um, it might look fabulous, but events are a 24 hour a day sort of thing. Um, yes. And and that is so hard to communicate, but really what came into it was that essential versus non-essential worker. And you and I had started to talk about this recently. It hit me on another level because I mean, people that needed to stay in their jobs got to. Someone in a creative role, in a marketing role, in an events role, you were no longer deemed essential to the business running. And especially in COVID, events were the absolute first thing to go, which understandably. So it was it was a hard thing to really like grapple with that essential versus non-essential feeling. Um, I felt a million different ways
0: about it. And, you know, when we were talking about that, it was so interesting to me as an outsider looking in, I would have thought, well, maybe that means she can be easier on herself because she knows it's not her fault. It's not because she wasn't hitting metrics. So I was really shocked to hear that it was the exact opposite, that even in spite of you being a top performer you were still deemed not essential. Do you feel like that heartache and that sense of failure came from even just the word itself, um, just the word essential, or wh- why do you think that really um, gave you such a sucker punch when you I, knew there was nothing you could do about it?
1: Because of the way that I really felt like I came into my own in this role, And I'm sure we'll dive into previous experience at some point, but I had kind of, I'd evolved from different industries, started out in retail management, which has a functionality that people understand, right? Like you want to go to a luxury retailer, someone has to be there to sell it, to manage it, you know, to restock it. Like that's something fundamentally people get. It's it's very basic. Mm -hmm. So being in a pretty essential industry as that. And then moving into working for more startups and doing more events, it gets a little bit more hairy on how people perceive your value. I think that it becomes more and more like, oh my gosh, that's so cute what you did, but people not maybe understanding what it takes to make something.
0: Oh, and let's pause there for a second. That is everything. And I think that is going to resonate so much with like, people across different industries, Um, because I, working in human resources, I did people, or excuse me, employee engagement, so events would be a part of my job, and what you just said, people say, oh, you're so lucky, like, you get to do that as a part of your job, or throw happy hours, or do these celebrations, and, you know, people don't see what goes, uh, goes into, people don't see the hard work that goes into it, people don't see, "Oh, oh, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And they don't see you like sweating. And I'm like, girl, I'm not over here drinking <laughs> a cocktail with you. I'm sweating. Right. But, right. And, and what you just said is remarkable because let's take an engineer. It's so easy for somebody to look at an engineer sure. and be like, well, they create this program and it you know, users and all these tech words I don't know, but people don't understand. Um, They don't, they can't always see the metrics. Like they're, the vanity metrics aren't necessarily as black and white with events, which is so interesting because it's building community, which is like something you really can't buy. You can't buy a sense of um, camaraderie. And that's why... It's invaluable. It's so invaluable.
1: And it's it's something that I've at least understand... I've understood uh, from a hiring perspective as well when I've had larger teams. And even when it came down to needing support at the Riveter and knowing that you were the right person... It's it's someone that has to have that intuition and really know that it's so much more than what it says on paper. Like any job. It's not, you know, some bullet points of a job description. Events have always been so much more. And I think maybe publicly, people might only understand events as like weddings and parties. What I really wanna like destigmatize today is I was on the business side of events and not that one mm-hmm. is better than another because I have a fabulous best friend who's a wedding planner. Shout out to Caitlin. Love yes. her. Um <laughs> You know Caitlin. She's great. She's also helped out with events at the Riveter. Mm-hmm. Um, what is such a challenge is really like understanding, you know, outsiders understanding that these businesses need these events to generate revenue. And that's one thing I always like bring my perspective back to. Like starting in the retail industry and in a leadership role, it was always about either Bringing in traffic, generating revenue, like, you know, Mm -hmm. month over month, year over year. I mean, it's always going to be about profit. I think that sometimes people look at events for the fluff, but the people I had the privilege, and I have to say, absolute privilege of working with at the Riveter, these were usually female or minority owned businesses. When they were taking their hard earned marketing dollars and choosing to spend them with me, I mean, obviously they weren't paying for like a coordinator and all these other things, but we provided it because we knew what was at stake. What I really consider amazing in all of this is that we had the opportunity to help see businesses change and grow because of events. We also were able to see people that didn't just rent us out for their event. You know, um, Office Politics is holding an in-person meet and greet. Like, we understand that that's going to be something for you, right? And I'm just helping facilitate. But the Riveter itself had so many – and this is a huge credit to the company itself – had so many amazing objectives and Mm -hmm. so much purpose that I was immediately drawn to, and I think you were drawn to as well. Um, It was a job that you did not see – either race relations or gender in work in the workplace or motherhood in the workplace as a second, but really as your first priority. Yes. Um, It Mm -hmm. was, it was, it was profound to be a part of that, to be someone who was always passionate about it, but not have it be uh, an additional piece, not have it be like the and or the like
0: little asterisk. It was, it was our mission. It was. And let's, and let's just like in there. I'm going to just intercept here for a second and say, (sighs) I always put my foot in my mouth when I say – when I get on this topic, it is – even though it is long overdue, I am so happy that we are finally – that leaders and companies are finally starting to understand – equity and inclusivity is not a nice to have. It needs to be a part of your business. It's essential versus not
1: essential. And that's like what I'm trying to like wrap up in a beautiful bow here is what I had learned more than anything was that what I was doing was so essential. It was essential to have these conversations. I mean, you and your husband were even a part of our, um, Black Women's Equal Payday event. You guys yeah, were a mm-hmm. part of our uh, mm-hmm. Latin Women's Equal Payday event. Um, you know these really amazing, powerful events. Like they were essential. And um, you know what? I did them on a shoestring budget with like wine and cheese <laughs> yeah. from Costco. Like people think I get to plan these beautiful budget uh, these beautiful events. Uh, ha! No, I have zero dollars, and we're going to make it work. Um, okay.
0: As two people who have done, like, event coordination in some way, shape, or form, that's the LOL of it all. It's like, can you um, make this work for, like, $12 a person? Um, And I'm like,
1: (laughs) what the hell? Oh, and also get a photographer, full videography. (laughs) Stand on your – oh, also MC. Jordan, can you come up with all the questions? Can you MC? Can you stand on your head, spit quarters? Network. Oh, sell memberships too. Yes. I mean, it was always, yes. it was, but that's like Play DJ.
0: Like yeah, it's yeah. just, they want you to do everything and
1: that's, that's why. And that's great. Uh, like respect, like I understand, like be multi-purpose, multi-tasker. Like I can be those things. But that essential, non-essential, what was so hard to get past and to go back to kind of like where we were at, which is I knew it was essential. I knew that these amazing organizations and these amazing women were so essential. Like those that I would do a partnership with or a trade out with that maybe they weren't paying me to rent the space, but I really wanted to get in touch with them. Whenever I was working with organizations, we were talking about voting, of course, well before 2020. But really, like the people I got to meet and do activations with, we were planning for 2020. There was always this buildup to technically where we're at now, which is not too far out from elections because we had such a powerful stance on bringing information to women, to mothers, and saying like political issues are not something that, um, you know, should just be a sidebar. You know, these these things affect you in your work, pay equity, um, you know, the diversity in your workplace, the mm-hmm. inclusivity, everything that you talked about. Um, like I said, it wasn't a asterisk at the bottom of the page. It was the header that was bolded and underlined. And that was the, that was my rallying cry working for an amazing company. Like I did. Um, that was my favorite thing about them. Um, we would have these calls and we'd have these this mission. I mean, down to, you know, our pronouns that we're using. We were always re-educating ourselves and trying to understand what that looks like from a business perspective. Um, what that looks like when I'm selling things, when I'm communicating with people. Um, all of these things were really amazing and they were really important and impactful for Dallas. However, you know, mm-hmm. COVID came and uh it's still here. But uh as far as events go, I very much know that what we were doing was essential because yes, we did host a couple birthday parties or a couple corporate parties, because your girl's trying to make some money and I'd sell anything to anyone if it wasn't tied <laughs> down. You know me. I had yes. three I had three events booked in like one day. Uh, one time when you helped me, I, it's like in the morning we had a yoga class. that was in English and in Spanish, and then the afternoon, yes. like there was always something happening. Um uh, because yep. we were hustling. Like it is. I what was it just is. gonna
0: say Jordan we Pinkerton is a hustler, <laughs> if nothing else.
1: I was like, what can you pay me if it's not the right <laughs> rate? Like, can you pay me two fifty? And remember, it's not me, not my pocket. Uh, oh. but if you can pay like two hundred, we'll get you in. Like we'll figure out a way. And it was so essential to have these messages heard. It was so essential to have these small businesses that were having a small workout class that talked about body positivity. Like that was important to me and it was important to the company I worked for. So it was worth my time. So I very much stand by being essential, but the hardest part was realizing that maybe the world didn't think that. And, uh, you know, unfortunately from a business standpoint, if, you know, the salaries of all the event directors across the U.S. Uh, were in question when they needed to start to refine roles and events aren't happening, it makes sense why you're going to be furloughed and then laid off. It, it makes sense. I, I, I'm i not tone deaf to that.
0: Of course not. No. And no, I think, I think that's very clear. And for you, Jordan... <sighs> And I'm sure it's been a cycle and you have the up days, you have the down days. But how were you really able to switch that narrative, update the script, and realize that, you know what, on paper I was furloughed, but I know I was essential? Was there a moment, a day, or um, something that triggered you to reclaim your story?
1: Well, I really feel like there's so many organizations, businesses... Um, creators, all kinds of people out there that I had the privilege of meeting, um, that were kind of having their own aha moments as well. They were trying to, and I hate the word pivot, but like they were trying to pivot too. And mm-hmm. there was there was still very much a sense of community because I am. It is not BS just because we're recording right now, but like people reached out to me, people that I worked with, and you know maybe met in passing. Were like, hey, like what are you up to now? What's going on? And I was in limbo for a while. Um, You know, I was furloughed and not yet fired. So I was like, well, maybe they're going to bring me back. You know, I didn't really get my ish together until about May when I officially got laid off. And I kind of looked around and I'm like, okay, things are going to be different for a while. What is that going to mean for like the value I can bring to another job? And that's, That was really hard because I enjoy events. But I also have a background with startups, in marketing, in management. So for me, it was talking to my peers and saying that community needs to exist now more than ever. But also understanding that like... I am one person, so maybe I need to take it slow. And in kind of taking it slow, I realized that there are going to be ebbs and flows on how events look. Like there's amazing people out there creating events in June and July. um, But we learned what that looks like. We learned that some events are going to have to be, you know, start to finish created this way so they can be social distance. I kind of sat Mm -hmm. back and learned from other planners, creatives, all of that, that. I kind of sat back and I was like, okay, so how are people responding? How are they doing this? And I really tried to learn as much as I could. And um, I signed up for a lot of events, a lot of virtual events. I joined them. Um, I started taking some more like online classes. So I really started to dive into like, Mm -hmm. how are people approaching this? And then I had to take a look and say, well, how am I going to approach this? I still want to do events. But I also understand that like um, experiential marketing can exist digitally. it doesn't have to be in person. How do you bring community back online and mm, mm-hmm. I, and, and it's hard because you know everybody's over the zoom call um, you know like that, <laughs> yes. that ain't it. um I no am mar-
0: team no more zoom parties. I was never here for them and I'm not here for them yeah
1: it's it's just it's I'm not here for it either like and it it's hard because that isn't. It, no, I don't want to say it's not creative, but like I knew that there was something like more creative out there. And I've mm-hmm. got to hand it to um, Rachel Chang, who we both know in common. She was a former coworker of mine at The Riveter. She now works at Legacy West in Plano. So it is a mixed use retail and restaurant development. She works with their property management group. She experienced a lot of the same things as me. She was like, how am I going to combat this? She's their marketing manager. Like, how am I going to recreate these experiences? Because she was still being paid. She was still on staff. So wow. she really went out there and set such a great example Um they started creating a lot of um, socially distant activations. They they taught some like online classes. Mm. They did some really cool stuff. Um, so now full circle is, I really think that she in a way and in, in our market has started to pave the way for these really impactful events coming back. Um, I'm, I'm hopefully going to be working on some fun projects here and there on some events coming up. Um, and, I really was pushed by talking to friends and other creators to start my own thing. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, I, I didn't know what that meant because I I've said this to you and I've said this to a lot of people. I've made other people's dreams happen. I've been at the startup where I'm employee number two or number three, and I understand that their dream has to also be mine and I have to help like make it happen but it had never fully been like my idea or I had never fully been like the business owner and it scared the shit out of me I was like I don't think I want to own anything (laughs) or do anything um you know my husband owns his own small business and he's owned it for four years and I'm like we somebody needs a real job
0: Somebody, Somebody has to have consistent paychecks. Yeah. And like health you, insurance. Yeah. Like, how's <laughs> this gonna
1: work? Um, we've been married uh almost two years. And I'm like, so how's this gonna um yeah. yeah, no? But I had so many great people, yourself included, that very much um helped me realize that through this community that I was a part of at the Riveter, that so many people were like, just go out there, go take a chance, go do your own thing. Mm-hmm. Um And now really, it's about figuring out how do I best serve these amazing teams, people, organizations that I had the privilege of working with in the past? How do I circle back with them and say, hey, like, I'm still here in Dallas, like, let's figure out a way to collaborate, because I still care just as much about all of those initiatives. And I think that There needs to be someone out there that maybe takes a look at events and takes a look at experiential marketing and sees it for less of a photo op and sees it more as a conversation because that's that you experienced that you were there. Like, there were some events that were beautifully decked out. Uh, you know, big shout out to all the amazing balloon displays we had (laughs) for me. Like, they were some like killer stage presence sometimes, other times, there wasn't. And I'm not saying one creates a better environment than the other, but I can tell you that that's not what makes a fabulous event. What makes an event, in my experience, was meeting someone like you who shared a brand mission who created the lasting friendship that we had that conversation after the fact, or, you know, the 10 other versions of us that are in the room that had that conversation that maybe connected or worked together. It was the IRL LinkedIn. It was the IRL, like (laughs) it it was everything. Um, so now starting my own business, I'm like, what does that mean? What do I even call myself? What do I offer? What do I do? Still figuring it out. Um, I even texted you. I'm like, well, what what do I even call myself? Like, right. I'm like, I don't know. I know I've got a creative eye. I care a whole hell of a lot. And, um, you know, your mission is my mission. Let's figure it out. You need some social strategy. I got you. You want to do some digital marketing? Still here for you. And if you want to plan a badass event, I'm going to figure it out.
0: Okay, okay, okay. I know. I know. We were getting really into it. You could feel the connection, the vibe. The tea that was being spilled. Make sure you return next week for the continuation of all of it. Jordan and I get into how she started her own creative agency during the pandemic, what she's looking forward to, and how she redefines success. It's something you do not want to miss. And as a bonus, she is telling us all of the best spots in Dallas and she's giving major shout outs to small businesses. In the meantime, Please make sure you follow us on Instagram, and I hope to hear from you guys. Leave a review. More importantly, own your story, and have a great day.